Thank you, Matthew. Uh, good morning. It's a privilege to be here to be able to share reflections with you this morning. Um, particularly if you're a father, I hope you've had a good Father's Day so far, maybe received some recognition, some acknowledgements, some messages, maybe some hugs and cuddles. Uh, and if you've got fathers that you haven't yet acknowledged, there's still a few hours left in the day uh, to do that. So over the course of our series about the people of Israel, uh, we've learnt about God's faithfulness towards his people, particularly under anointed leaders such as Moses and Joshua and the early kings like Saul and David. And we've also learnt about the consequences of their disobedience, which led to an initial defeat by the Babylonian army in about 605 BC, eventually to the complete destruction of Jerusalem city walls and Solomon's temple under King Nebuchadnezzar in 587, where they were carried off into exile into Babylon, where they composed songs of lament that we heard about last week. And then about 70 years after that first defeat, the Babylonian Empire was overthrown by Cyrus, the king of Persia, who decided that he'd encourage some of his subject peoples to return to their homeland. And so in about 536 BC, a number of Jews under the leadership of someone called Zerubbabel returned to Jerusalem and set about rebuilding the temple. And they completed that rebuilding 21 years later in about 515 BC. And if we can have the, if the first picture is there, David, I can move on from there. And this is just an artist's impression probably of that temple that was built by Zerubbabel and completed in 515. However, although this group of Jews had gone back and built a temple, the rest of Jerusalem was not rebuilt at that time. And another 70 years went past before in 445 we come to this story, this fantastic story in the book of Nehemiah. Now, this book of Nehemiah is autobiographical and reads a bit like personal memoirs. And we're going to focus this morning on just a couple of incidents in the book, which are the key to the restoration of the people of Israel. So who was Nehemiah? Well, despite being a Jew, he was actually well enough integrated into Persian society to be given a very trusted post in the court, a trusted post of cupbearer to the king. Now, before you get too excited about having a post like that, we need to realise that this was a very dangerous and potentially a rather short-term job. Because the cupbearer's job was to taste all the drinks to be given to the king in case he was going to be poisoned. But obviously the king, Artaxerxes, was reasonably popular and well-liked, and uh, Nehemiah survived up until this particular point in time. And Nehemiah had kept in touch with the Jewish community in Jerusalem. And he was very distressed when he learned from one of his brothers that the city was still in ruins. Walls broken down, gates burnt out. And Nehemiah's reaction is very significant and has several lessons for us as we consider situations in our own community, nationally or internationally at this time. First of all, Nehemiah takes time out. He sits down, he weeps and he mourns. He doesn't brush off the news swiftly, but he identifies with his fellow Jews and shares in their distress. 
we might think ahead to a time when Jesus himself stood on a hill overlooking Jerusalem and wept because he knew that he would be rejected and that destruction would come to that city. As we well know, mourning takes time. Today, people will mourn the loss of a loved one over a very long period. Or a head of state will declare a period of official mourning after a national tragedy. Or this week, a town will go into mourning over the death of someone they know and love, as in the case of the MP so tragically and cruelly killed in recent days. And when we mourn, all other aspects of life stop in order to focus on the situation that we face. And that's why Nehemiah also fasted, which is another way of helping us to focus on the subject of our mourning. But after mourning, Nehemiah took some action as he mourned and he prayed. And the prayer he prayed was in four very significant parts in that first chapter. First of all, Nehemiah began with praise. Because he knew he was approaching a great and awesome God who listens to his people. And we need to remember, as Florence Nightingale once said, that God is not my personal private secretary. But someone we need to approach with some awe and reverence. So do we take time to enter God's presence and praise him? before bringing him our list of requests. And then secondly, he moved on to confession, because Nehemiah recognised that neither he, nor his family, nor his people had lived as God desired. And that his disobedience, that this disobedience had led to their exile and their distress. He uses the pronoun we, clearly identifying with the disobedience of the people of Israel. So when we come to pray, do we recognise the ways in which our own behaviour or attitudes or priorities might have contributed towards the difficulties faced by our communities or in the wider world? And then thirdly, there comes a reminder. See, Nehemiah is bold enough to remind God of his covenant. His covenant to gather his people into the land he'd promised if they return to him. And this means that he's praying in accordance with what he knows God wants to do. So do we seek to discover what God wants in any given situation, whether through the principles of scripture or through specific guidance that's given, and then pray accordingly? So having given some time to praise and to confession and to remind God of the covenant he has with his people, Nehemiah comes to a specific request. He asks God for his intervention to give him success when talking to the king about the situation in Jerusalem. And my final question is, are we specific in our prayers? And do we expect specific answers? Or are we content to pray in very general terms? Two weeks ago in our sermon series, we learned about how Solomon eventually drifted away from God, which led to the division of the people of Israel into two kingdoms. However, earlier, just after Solomon 
had had completed the building of the temple, God had appeared to him and said these words. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. And after that encounter, the dedication of the temple, there were many years when the people of Israel did just that under Solomon. And, led, and he led a very successful reign until that much later point that we heard about earlier in the series. And Nehemiah's word is entirely in line with those words, of Solomon, those words to Solomon. Nehemiah's confessing and repenting on behalf of his people, whom God has redeemed. And then asking God to remember his promise and come and heal and restore their land. And so as we approach prayer, particularly intercessory prayer, and ask God to intervene in people's lives or in specific situations, let's reflect on whether or not we can use Nehemiah's model. Beginning with praise, moving through a time of confession, seeking to align ourselves with God's will in any given situation, and then making specific requests in confidence. And as we heard earlier, in addition to praying together in various teams and home groups, we're beginning to pray together for our life and witness as a church on a monthly basis this evening at 7.30 in the foyer. And if you're able to come, you'd be welcome to join us. Anyway, back to Nehemiah. So what happened in this particular story? Well, we're not going to look at it now, but chapters 2 to 7 make very exciting reading. But here are a few highlights. Um, First, we ought to note that the answers to prayer are not always immediate. And in fact, Nehemiah had to wait four months before an appropriate opportunity arose to go into the king's presence and make his request. And he took a great risk in being sad in the king's presence, because being sad was punishable by dismissal or even death. And anyway, after four months of prayer for this opportunity and a quick arrow prayer when the right moment came... And he chose the moment when the queen was sitting beside the king.